Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Blister Podcast, Gear 30. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check us out online at blisterreview.com. We just finished testing a bunch of skis in Taos, and because of an unexpected snowstorm, we ended up getting on everything from very heavy modified race skis to a new, extremely light big mountain ski. So today on the podcast, Blister editors Sam Shaheen and Luke Kappa join me to go over a number of the highlights, including the new Atomic Ben Shetler 100, the Head Super Shape Eye Titan, a new carver from DPS, the Black Crow's Orb, and what might be my new personal favorite ski from Blizzard. And just a reminder, we are now churning out more deep dive comparison articles and more flash reviews on the site. So to get our unfiltered initial impressions on a whole bunch of next year's skis, become a Blister member and you'll get access to every single thing we publish. And we'll also send you in the fall the print and digital edition of our 1819 Winter Buyer's Guide. And you'll also get a number of great money-saving deals from a number of ski companies and some of our Blister-recommended shops. To learn more about the details and to become a Blister member, just click on the navigation bar on the Blister website where it very conveniently says, Become a Blister member, and you'll be on your way. And to all of you who have already become Blister members, thank you. Your support is what continues to allow us to stay 100% independent and to continue to take no money from any of the product manufacturers we review. We've operated like that from day one, and if you appreciate having a source of honest, in-depth reviews, then we hope you'll consider becoming a Blister member and help us keep this thing going. And now, let's get to my conversation with Luke Kappa and Sam Shaheen about a whole bunch of new ski products. Well, Luke and Sam, uh, fancy to be talking to you again, uh, since it's I only saw you guys. It's been like a, a almost twenty hours uh, since since we were skiing together. So thank God we're we're reunited. Uh, the distance has been killing me, um, and uh, yeah, we just wrapped up another uh, four days uh, skiing at Towski Valley, and you guys had to take off just before the end of the day yesterday, which is really too bad since you missed um, blister reviewer Alex Mueller skiing West Basin in a Hello Kitty costume on snowblades down Stauffenberg. (laughs) And turns out it didn't go that well. Uh Uh-oh. Weird. (laughs) Yeah. As Alex was hop turning down the super gnarly entrance uh he happened to lose both snow blades and started a head first slide down stauffenberg where all of us were quite sure he wasn't going to be able to self-arrest the good news is given that he was on blades without ski poles he was able to just literally punch into the snow uh and uh, and then also kind of hit a tree that also slowed him <laughs> down a bit. So yeah, actually, you guys had just peeled off. Uh, you literally had just peeled off, and I think went and skied Zadarski. Uh, so you you missed out. Um, oh man. 
But uh, it was wow, actually that sounds like ama- that it, sounds amazing. <laughs> it was like amazing and then truly terrifying. But uh, how did his how did his ski blades come off? Don't they have like non releasable? Yeah, it's on supposed them? to be. It's suppo- they're supposed to be non releasable. So. Um, he needs to talk to his ski blade binding tech. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember the brand, but uh, but the bindings did like no part of those bindings looked like they were unreleasable. Like they looked to me like they would just fall off, like kind of <laughs> like a you know like a cardigan slipping off your shoulder or something. Like I I don't know how he stayed in them at all. But uh, anyway, so you missed that. But other other than that, um. You know, I think you caught most of the highlights of the day yesterday. So, um, but I mean, I, I probably on most days, like a dude dropping West Basin in a Hello Kitty outfit on snow blades, that is probably going to be the defining moment of the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, especially, especially as they start the slide for life. Um, so anyway, uh, all's well that ends well, but, um. But enough of that. We're here to talk about um, a slew of skis. Of course, uh, we the intention going into this uh, this review trip was actually just to uh, hit frontside skis. But when we got on snow Thursday, this is a trend. This has actually happened to us before. We were just going to do dedicated frontside ski testing. Snow came in. And we quickly realized we needed to audible out because the groomers were sort of, we, we kept calling it powderoy. Um, so we're actually, I guess it's better for a podcast potentially because we're going to talk about a range of skis here um, because that's what the conditions called for. So um, Luke, we are going to go ahead and start with you. You and I both spent some time on uh, a ski that quite a few people are getting um excited about and are certainly curious about this Atomic Ben Shetler 100. Uh, so I want to start with you. Tell me a little bit about this ski. Yeah, so it's definitely an interesting one. And we put up a first look of it um, recently and a flash review actually today. Um, but it is basically a ski that we were having a really hard time categorizing just looking at the specs. Um, we have it in the 188. Uh, it's about 100 under foot. But it's pretty light, like eight, just under eighteen fifty grams, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, tip and tail rocker, uh, but not a ton. Like the Bench other one twenty has been known kind of as like this surfy, super playful ski, and the one hundred. I mean, it basically has a twin tail, but not much tail rocker. And the mount point is probably the most interesting part, um, and that was very interesting to see how it played out on snow. I think the recommended mount is minus 7.8 centimeters from center. Um, so definitely like a directional recommended line, but it includes all these other lines anywhere from minus 11.8 to minus 1.8, yeah. uh, which is pretty wild. Uh, I started out on recommended line and it definitely feels directional. Um, like it wanted me to press into the front of the ski, but then I moved it two centimeters forward and that was felt like the sweet spot for me um i like skis that i can drive but that i can break loose really easily too and that definitely the bench 100 felt easier to break free and it felt more balanced in the air um at that minus 5.8 but yeah it's an interesting ski it's the one ski that it kind of reminded me of was the line sick day 104 in that it feels light 
and energetic, but you can still ski it pretty hard. Um, and that's a really fun combination because you get that lively feel, but um, it's not getting knocked around like crazy. It's still a lightweight ski, but yeah, we were, I think Jonathan, you and I were both pushing it pretty hard and had it mostly in soft groomers and softer snow, but overall a lot of fun, nice blend of decent stability, easy to flick around, and it still has a pretty poppy and accessible flex for doing nollies and ollies. Um, overall, yeah, super fun. How, uh, how did you feel that the dampness compared to that sick day 104? It was pretty similar. I definitely, like I'm planning on ABing them, but I think the sick day might be a touch damper um, or just more stable. But uh, yeah, I definitely, I need to get the bench heller into some firmer conditions to kind of flesh that out. But they're definitely pretty similar, which is impressive because that sick day 104 is probably one of the best skis I've used in terms of stability to weight ratio. Yeah. 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 And I, the part where it sort of doesn't remind me of a sick day 104, um, though, again, I, you know, I haven't been on that ski since, uh, the sick day 104 since last spring is that part of this could have been the conditions, you know, um, part of this I think could definitely be modulated with a bit of detuning, but Luke, you and I were talking about the Benchella 100, like as I was skiing Reforma yesterday on it, it was not as sort of feathery feeling. It, it you know, when, when trying to just really modulate and feather out turns down kind of steep, weird uh, double fall lines, that ski was wanting to catch, that the tail was wanting to catch and engage a bit more than I was anticipating. And again, I do really think this is a case where I think if you detuned that ski, you could loosen it up a hell of a lot, actually. But skiing it straight from the factory tune, it actually felt to me like this was not just some skinnier, skinnier, like super butterable ski. Um, It felt like a firmer condition like a ski that was optimized or set for firmer conditions and i just wasn't really expecting that i don't think um, yeah i totally agree um i was kind of expecting like a real surfy ski and it is not that at least in the factory tune um and especially in that 188 like it does have a that's right amount of tip rocker but like there's a lot of effective edge in it, or at least it felt like there was a lot of effective edge um and yeah, trying to do like big, long kind of extended slashes, like mm-hmm. it didn't feel like it wanted to do that. It wanted to get back into a turn. Um, it was still easy to break free, but just kind of wants you to get back on edge. Um, so I'll definitely be playing around with the tune, trying to detune that tail a little bit, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, like if somebody was going to mostly be using that thing in sort of firmer conditions or sort of f- like variable conditions that were moving t- to, uh, you know, variable conditions that were moving to more firm. I don't know, like personally, I might want to just leave the tune as is. And so mm-hmm. I think it's definitely going to be a case where people can kind of dial it into the conditions that, you know, where they're skiing and what their preferences are. Um, but it was interesting from the rapper, 
um, that it felt it just did not feel it, it didn't feel really out of place in pretty firm conditions. Um, so um, and you not, you know, we just put up a flash review, I guess, this morning um, where we kind of say a bit more about some of that. But um, interesting. Um, and it, it was funny, too. I, we saw at least one or two comments where people. Uh, I think we're really wondering or saying some things like, wait a minute, shouldn't this just be a slimmer Ben Shetler 120? Because in our first look, I guess we were saying like this really on paper at least and, and flexing it in the rest doesn't simply seem like a slim down Ben Shetler 120. And there were some folks saying, wait a sec, isn't that sort of misleading? And I don't know. I think that's a bit of an interesting debate one could have, right? Like, if you're going to keep call, you know, use the same Ben Shetler name, do you or do you not kind of want to just have slightly, you know, slim down or widened, uh, wider versions of the same kind of design? That's not so far what we're ready to say about these two skis, right? Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. And I think, I mean, honestly, it makes sense. Like, if you took the Ben Shetler 120 and made it a hundred underfoot and kept the, that rocker profile and everything, I doubt it would perform that great in firm snow, which is what atomic is aiming this, the 100 at. So I think mm-hmm. it makes sense. Um, it is, that's a very interesting point about keeping that kind of family name for a ski that I, I haven't been on the 120, but I doubt it shares that much similarity as in terms of on snow feel. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's interesting and very excited to get more time on it. Hmm. Sam, uh, since all we do anymore is talk about renowned skis, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's like the, the renowned takeover on Blister is kind of what seems to be happening. Um, you just got uh, several days on this new renowned Citadel 106 and um, given that we've had this kind of funny and interesting slash sort of weird relationship on three different renowned skis now, um, talk a bit about your uh, initial time on this new Citadel 106. Yeah, the Citadel 106, um, I had a really good time on it, actually. It it has that sort of... An, I'm going to put this in air quotes that like renowned feel <laughs> in that there is some behavior on the ski that is difficult to put your finger on. So I mean, that just doesn't feel like what you're used to. And I mean, we're postulating that's the HDT, these non-Newtonian polymers that they're using in, in the layup. Um, but overall the Citadel is an easy ski and it kind of surprised me at how easy it was. It's incredibly lightweight. The swing weight is, I mean, the swing weight feels like a park ski. It's just incredibly light. And because of, because of that lightweight, it's really easy to pivot around and slash. And it kind of has this kind of neutral stance that it likes. And it wants you to, to, you know, not, not mob high speeds necessarily, but kind of feather turns and slash and soft snow and things like that. And then at the same time, when you get it, into an apron or you're pushing it at higher speeds, you're driving the ski hard. It kind of has that like dampness that that sort of lack of energy and dampness 
an almost quietness. The harder you push it, the more quiet the ski gets. Um, but at the same time, you're not getting any of, or not, it's not that you're not getting any rebound, it's you're getting less rebound out than you would on, or at least than I would imagine on a similar ski without the HDT. So I had a really good time. We skied it in everything from, you know, eight to 10 inches of light pow to pushed around heavy sun warmed crud at the end of that day and then some firmer chalk and yeah double falling on reforma and all sorts of stuff and i i really did i had a great time on it i really like that scheme it's always the it's always the telltale sign at the end of these trips like you guys were headed back to colorado and we're figuring out who's taking what back with them and we were trying we got to that ski and we were like well should i take that thing you know should this go back with sam and sam started kind of um very diplomatically, like softly campaigning, uh, <laughs> like to take the Citadel back with him, and and uh, yeah, and so and then that it got a little louder and a little more aggressive, and so Sam Sam won. The ski is still with Sam, uh, but yes! uh, yeah, so he 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 got his way on this one, but uh, yeah, it was interesting. So I I have not skied it yet, um, mostly because Sam didn't want to part with it. Uh, so, uh, at some point we'll, uh, I'll, I'll get my, I'll get my feet in it, I guess. Um, but yeah, interesting. Um, well, I think the, the ski that I'm going to talk about first actually is not a new ski, but it was a ski that left a pretty significant impression on me. Um, I spent, uh, a decent amount of time skiing the current Blizzard Brahma, which is unchanged for this coming season. And we had put some time on the Brahma uh, last spring, um, but it was in pretty soft conditions where I wasn't, you know, we did, and we wrote about it in the buyer's guide, but I, I still wanted to round that ski uh, get that ski in some different terrain and uh, a different uh, range of conditions. And so we definitely got a chance to do that over these past four days. And uh, I was just super impressed. And I think where since everybody's been emailing and asking, my Brahma review is going to go up soon and the Bonafide review is going to go up not much later. I'm just going to leave it a bit vague that way. But I think the telling thing to say is I actually now think that that Brahma might be my favorite current Blizzard ski. Um, I just thought it worked incredibly well across from everything from POW uh, to firm groomers um, and I'll spell that out more in the, f the full review, but it just felt really at home everywhere. And, you know, we were hiking and skiing it in West B and, f you know, finding some pockets of pretty deep snow where like an 88 millimeter wide ski shouldn't do that well. And by no means am I claiming it had magical powers of flotation or anything, but just again, overall, as an all mountain ski, um... I was very impressed. And so I think that ski just uh, elevated quite a bit 
for me in that sub 90 all mountain category. Um, so yeah, more to come on that. I think we're going to hopefully by Sunday have my full review up, but that was, uh, that was eye-opening for me. Um, keeping it moving, um, we're going to talk bindings. Luke, you, uh, we've had a number of Blister reviewers now getting on the Fritchie Tecton, and you are finally getting your turns uh, on one of these. So talk to me a little bit about your experience on the Tecton recently. Yeah, so I, um, up to this I had only been on kind of the traditional tech bindings, Dinafit, Radical 2 and Rotation 10, um, some of the older Dinafits, and then Alpine bindings, and hadn't been on the Kingpin, Tecton, or Shift. Um, And so I put one day on the Tecton touring, um, just in powder, real forgiving, and then skied it at Taos uh, for an afternoon on the new 1819 Armada Tracer 108. And was overall very impressed um i was i mean just looking down at the toes seeing it held in by pins is probably the only thing that was holding me back from going 100 percent on those because in terms of feeling i really didn't notice a whole lot of difference between that and alpine binding we were in very soft conditions so that's the major qualifier but i mean i was skiing moguls pretty much as fast as i normally would and um, going down groomers pretty quick too. And yeah, overall it felt really good. Um, didn't have that vagueness of the heel that I noticed on most traditional pin bindings, um, and provided like the damping of any Alpine binding I've used. So at least in the softs now, I was extremely impressed by it and I'm really excited to get it out. Um, I'll be touring on that a lot this spring. Um, and I think the real test will be kind of the spring corn missions where probably end up skiing a bit of really firm refrozen stuff, but then transitioning to softer snow. So yeah, definitely excited to put more time on that one as well. Yeah. Um, so what I want to do here, uh, we are going to end by talking about a couple dedicated front side skis. But just before we do that, we're going to sneak in uh, a little bit of talk about the Black Crow's Orb because this is another one uh, that we're getting quite a bit of people asking, hey, you know, what's going on with this ski? Um, You two uh, both got some time on it over the past four days. Sam, you were skiing it a good bit yesterday. Curious to get your impressions on the, and we were skiing the 178 centimeter orb Tell me a little bit about your preliminary thoughts on that, Sam. Yeah, I mean, judging by the same criteria as that renowned Citadel, it's the ski that I took back. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I have that one in the Citadel. I I like the orb. I like the orb a lot. Um, We got it into some cool, like, chalky steeps in West Basin at Taos, and it's a ski that likes to be driven, and it's got a decent amount of tip taper, but it, it it's the taper starts really low on the ski, but it doesn't taper that much. So there's a long sort of flat section in, in the front of the shovel, which makes it pretty predictable when you're like blasting through crap or piles of stuff. And then at the same time, it feels really pretty strong on edge. In fact, our pair seems a little edgy and I'm going to play around with the tune a little bit. But overall, it seems it's definitely stronger than the Citadel. 
it's heavier than the Citadel for sure. Um, but it's, it's been really fun. And I think for sort of a, you know, a no new snow day, like a 80% of the day out here in Colorado, 80% of the days rather out here in Colorado ski, that orb, that orb could be really fun. I'm psyched to get more time. And, oh, and just Luke, before you weigh in, I mean, one of the questions, two things with that ski, one black crows zone copy about it. They mentioned something about it being a hulking beast or some sort of, some <laughs> sort of beast. Uh, do you guys have it, that quote in front of you? Uh, it says, it says they talk about its tetanol plates and they say pop and firmness period. This ski is a beast. And personally, I wouldn't really agree with that. I thought it was fun. Um, but beast would yeah. not have been the word. Yeah. Nay, nay. I say nay on beast. <laughs> yeah. And that's not at all, uh, the recollection I had on that ski either. I mean, granted we're, we're on the 178, but they only, the longest length is right. Like a 183 something. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So at least in our, the opinion of the three of us, we're not ready to call this thing a beast. Um, it is certainly not a head monster 88 or 98. It's not playing in that category whatsoever. Um, but yeah, Luke, what, what were your, what do you have to add to what Sam has said? Um, I, yeah, I agree with everything Sam said. And we had been on a lot of dedicated carvers that we'll talk about later. Um, and jumping on the orb, it definitely felt more all mountain oriented. Um, it wasn't as eager to bend into really tight turns, but it also felt a lot better off piece. Um, and really it reminded, like I got some time on the Black Coast Damon in Telluride and it reminded me of that ski kind of similar feel in that they're both fairly light, but fairly damp and stable. And the orb just kind of felt like a popular kind of more playful version of the Damon. Um, the Damon I think is 99 underfoot or 91. Um, and yeah, overall pretty fun ski. Um, it didn't feel like it was very out of place anywhere. Um, and I, I did not get it on anything firm, so I'd have to try it out on that again. Yeah, that's that's interesting that you think it felt like the Damon. Um, I'm trying to remember because I've had I've had a, hand, a little bit of time on the Damon as well. But to me, actually, the ski it felt kind of similar to was just a narrower QST 106. You know, it has hmm. kind of a similar shape. The shovel shape's a bit different just because of the 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 like the shape of the taper. But just from a ski that is pretty light, but also feels fairly damp. Um, and has a tendency towards carving like that QSC 106 rail is pretty hard, especially for its weight, for its waist width. And that orb kind of felt reminiscent to that for me. Hmm. I think the biggest question I have about that orb is it is, it feels like a really soft shovel, just like hand flexing it. It is not this burly, burly ski up front. And I just, you know, you guys were just on it. You know, I haven't been on that ski in a while, but I think, you know, talking about how you were saying, Sam, you felt like you could rally it fairly hard. I think that shovel is the question mark for me. Um, I get what you're saying with the QST because the QST can go pretty hard. I mean, look, so so can the Soul 7. I mean, uh, your like favorite ski of all time, Sam. <laughs> um, you know, 
so it's like you can make a ski and put a softer shovel on it. And if you are giving it enough um, stiffness and kind of dialing in the flex pattern throughout the rest of the ski, it's not like you have to have a stiff shovel to go hard on a ski. Um, but I think that's the, that's, the, that's the biggest question mark of the orb for me. Yeah, yeah, I think that's valid. I mean, it doesn't have that feel of the Soul 7 for sure. But um, it'll be curious to maybe play around with the mount point a bit too. You know, maybe you can overpower it from traditional and need to go back a centimeter or from recommended and go back a centimeter or, or, or two if I find that I'm overpowering that shovel. But I'll definitely be keeping that in mind. That's good yeah. feedback. Um, okay, so we're probably going to get some complaints about this. Uh, but because we're going to like, we get a lot of, you know, people have been asking us, like, they want to hear more about front side skis from us. And we are going to start rolling out quite a bit of content on front side skis. But for the sake of not turning this into like a two hour podcast, um, I want to just pick out a couple highlights of like the, I don't know, roughly 15 kind of what we would put in the kind of dedicated front side ski category of skis that uh, a number of us have been on, um, well, have been on for quite a while now, but then we kind of were batching together to do some real ABCDE comparisons uh, over these last several days. Um, One of the skis that I want to talk about uh, with Sam is the head super shape. Um, the iTitan and the iRally. Uh, Sam and I and several other Blister reviewers were rallying those skis around quite a bit. And they left a pretty big impression on, I think, both of us. Um, I don't know, Sam, where do you want to start with either the Titan or the Rally? Uh, yeah, let's start with the Titan. Just cause, well, I mean, it doesn't really matter. I think most of what we say for either is applicable to both of both of the skis, but... Um, yeah, I think you're right. It, the skis did leave a lasting impression, mostly for me because of just how smooth they are. Yeah. Um, you put them on edge and yeah, they have really good edge hold and they, you know, they're pretty powerful and you can push them hard, but at the same time, they are just, they're kind of like Cadillacs. They just, they suck up all the little bumps. They're really, really smooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think the the standout quality cuz I mean I've been on look other head skis right I mean the head monster 88 the head monster 98 there that feel that you just described you can find a similar quality I don't want to say the same but there's a similar quality that smoothness in uh in that especially the Titan which is a ski that is 81 millimeters wide and has this like wild looking kind of triangle shape of a tail on it. Um, reviewer, our reviewer, Charlie Bradley, before he was on the Titan before I was, and he, I was like, what'd you think? And he's like, the ski's fantastic. And he called it a cheater GS ski. And I didn't totally get what he meant when he first said that having skied it. Now, I do think that is actually a really appropriate um, characterization of that ski. I mean, it's just incredible. Like you just start to put that thing on edge at all. And it starts to get compliant in a carve um, 
in ways that it is not like some slalom ski where if you overdo it or go real high edge angle too fast that you feel like you're just getting, you know, your knees are going to get ripped out of your legs. Um, But it is just, I, I don't know that I've ever skied on anything that was so, uh, so willing and so interested in just going into any shape of carved turn that you wanted. I mean, once you got it up to a little bit of speed, but it, it isn't like a head monster 98 where it's like, once you start hitting 40, it will start doing some stuff that you want it to. I really felt like that Titan was strong and yet was still willing to let you carve at some slower speeds. Um, it, I just thought it was super interesting. Um, does yeah, that... and no, I, I agree completely. And I think also it's not difficult. It's not punishing. No. It was pretty forgiving, especially given how much that you could push it. Um, mm-hmm. Especially when we were getting into, you know, early morning, sort of really firm groomers later in, or later in the trip at Taos. That was the ski that I wanted to be on. Yep. You know, because when when the when the when the snow is firm and maybe a bit bumpy and not groomed perfectly in spots. Yep. I want something that's that's gonna have a little bit of forgiveness and those those super shapes definitely fit the bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty interesting. And I mean, we were on, you know, we were on some other stronger skis. Um the K2 Supercharger, the Head iSpeed Speed Pro. Um, that head high speed pro, by the way, is just like the two word review is like, well, I, I won't swear. I'm trying to swear less. So it's just a freaking rocket ship. I mean, like there's just a missile, like that thing is nuclear and, um, it's cool, but that thing is just about going fast and trying not to murder people that might be in front of you on a groomer. <laughs> and, uh, it, it was incredible and incredibly powerful. Um, but honestly, I was like, I want to ski that iSpeed Pro on like a closed course. I do not want to have to be thinking about like, am I going to slice a small child in half? And and that is basically how I felt on that iSpeed Pro. The Titan doesn't, it doesn't have that same absolute rocket ship feel to it. But it just felt, like you said, Sam, way more compliant and forgiving uh, and incredible, just an incredible sensation in a carved turn. You know, I think we we spend a lot of time and have spent a lot of time talking about, you know, dedicated powder skis and skis like the DPS Lotus 138, skis like the DPS Spoon that are these pretty specific tools but come with such an interesting on snow sensation. And of all the different stuff we skied, and we skied a lot of really good uh, front side skis, that Titan, I think, really kind of stood out. If you haven't skied something like that before, that is maybe the ski that, um, again, I speed pro if you just want to go a billion miles an hour, and that can be fun and sort of terrifying and exhilarating in its own right. But if somebody is kind of hasn't been on a whole slew of different front side skis before, the Titan is one where I would say if you've got a firm day and some decent corduroy, and or frankly, if you don't have any decent corduroy, demo that ski 
if you're curious to see what we're talking about. We actually were just also spending time on the DPS Cassiar 79, which they call like the trainer, which is sort of weird. Um, but anyway, this is a, a ski that is 79 millimeters wide and only is available in the lengths of 160 centimeters and 167 centimeters. So we were just getting some time on the 167. Luke, what do you have to say about this uh, dedicated frontside carving ski from Drake Powderworks? Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, it, I mean, it's a unique ski and it's a unique experience on snow. Um, I haven't been on anything that short, actually. Um, we started affectionately calling it the ski blade. Um, and while I didn't love it at first ski, it, I actually came to like it a lot. Um, it's, I think it has an 11 meter radius, super tight, um, but just ridiculously easy to carve really tight turns at high edge angles, provides a ton of energy out of the turn, especially if you flex into the shovels, which is very easy since it's pretty short and the tips and the tails are pretty soft. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a definitely a different experience than any other skis I've been on recently. I mean, it made me think of the Sakana, um, the line Sakana, which is also a kind of tight turn radius ski, likes carving small turns, but the Cassiar is just kind of takes that to another level in that it, um, I mean, it just draws you into, into a turn and if you bend it, it'll rocket you into the next really small turn. Um, and it's fun. And th one interesting thing for such a specialized ski, they do emphasize that it's not, it's not meant to be as one-dimensional as some other dedicated carvers. And at least after spending a couple days on it, I'd probably agree to an extent. Um, I didn't take it in a ton of off-piece stuff, but it's got a ridiculously low swing weight, which is not surprising. Um, so super easy to whip around and didn't feel particularly hooky in the stuff that I got it in, which is kind of what I've noticed with other skis uh, with tight side-cut radii. Um so overall, very interesting, um, even more interesting that it's coming from the PPS and uh, the background. Um, but yeah, yeah, and we've also gotten time, they're, they're redoing a lot of their Cassiar series, which is kind of their, their front side slash all mountain skis for next year. Um, yeah. And we've had some pretty ex interesting experiences across the board, I think, so far. Yeah, I posted... My flash review, first look and flash review on the new Cassiar 94. Um, and you guys should become Blister members and go read that because that's an interesting ski in its own right. Um, but I think my favorite part about the Cassiar 79 is when Luke just started hitting jumps on it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I guess, yeah, we sh maybe shouldn't be talking about it as a super specific front side ski. Um Either that or Luke's just weird. So we're it's hey, low swing weight. Low swing weight. Okay. Okay. Maybe it's yeah. A bit of both. <laughs> Luke's weird, and the ski is slightly more versatile than uh, one might suspect. Great um, Cossack ski. Yeah. <laughs> the extension. Oh, the extension. <laughs> That's right. Um, well, gentlemen, let's leave it at that. But uh, yeah, that that. Um, 
actually, that was such a weird group of skis we just talked about, but that is a, actually a good summation of the last four days uh, we just spent. We, we, we ran the gamut for sure, and uh, yeah, it was a pretty interesting time. So uh, good skiing with you guys as always, and um, I don't know when we're all going to meet up again, but I suspect it's going to be fairly soon. As these th- as these things tend to go, yeah, yeah. sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, well, cool guys. Well, thanks, and um, we'll be talking about uh, we'll be getting more write ups on some of this stuff um, soon on the site. And like we said, you can currently check out our flash review of the Ben Shetler 100 and the DPS Cassiar 94. We'll be putting up some more stuff soon. Uh, Paul Forward just posted his. We just posted Paul's review of the DPS. Alchemist Whaler 106 um, and a bunch of other stuff is going up soon. So check that stuff out. And um, Luke and Sam, I will talk to you soon and we will all talk to you guys later. Sounds good. Sounds good. See ya. All right. Thanks, guys. That's it for this edition of Gear 30. Thanks to Luke and Sam for the conversation and to our strikingly handsome audio engineer, Justin Bob. And again, if you haven't done so already, become a Blister member to check out the flash reviews and deep dive comparisons that we are pumping out each week. Thanks, everybody. And till next time, be safe out there, especially if you're rocking a Hello Kitty onesie and dropping steep lines on snowblades. Bye-bye.